Hello and welcome. You've joined us on Search for Truth and it's great to have your company. Today we talk number six in our series from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, takes up Paul's plea that the Christians of Corinth ought to honour God with their bodies in their Christian lives. And he uh, looks at the reasons which trigger his request. So here's Brian to tell us more. Thanks, John. Have you ever engaged in an exchange of correspondence with someone on a doctrinal matter? The Apostle Paul certainly appears to have had a lively exchange of letters with the Church of God at Corinth, in which he wrote some four or five letters to them, of which two are contained within our Bibles. Paul may have been an apostle, but there were those at Corinth, in the church there, who seemed comfortable with challenging his authority. When they wrote to Paul, their letters contained provocative slogans which set out their thinking. Slogans like, All things are lawful for us, and food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. Perhaps with the implied footnote, the body is also for immorality. Here then is the Apostle Paul's response. Notice how he repeats back to them each of their slogans before proceeding to give very firm rebuttals. He says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. It would seem indicated that some, at least, in the Church of God at Corinth had a rather distorted view of spirituality, one in which they seriously played down the error of unchecked physical appetites. It seems they thought that how they treated their bodies was immaterial, that it had no impact on their spiritual state. After all, the body to them was just some kind of shell. So some of them appeared to be living indulgently and promiscuously. Self-gratification, they thought, did not come at the expense of their spiritual condition. In order to begin to show them just how wrong they were, the Apostle Paul takes up and repeats their provocative slogans back to them as he writes, for example, All things are lawful, food is for the stomach, and the body is for immorality. In each case, Paul answers with a but, before proceeding to dismantle their utterly false ideas to maintain, as some of them were, apparently, that all things are lawful, would seem to be a recipe for unbridled licence. Paul counters this by saying strongly, but I will not be mastered by anything. This resolve, at the end of verse 12, should motivate Christians to be against all forms of substance abuse, including the misuse of alcohol and the use of tobacco products. As if these things were not enough, the Apostle has to further remonstrate at the end of verse 15, saying, Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? It's hard for us to imagine what seems to have been happening back then, even in the infamous setting of Corinth. It's implied in that verse, which we've just repeated, is it not, 
that the then current practice of some married men in the church of God at Corinth was to frequent prostitutes. Why would they want to try to justify this promiscuous behaviour to Paul? Strangely enough, it's been suggested that perhaps their wives approved of this. How could that be? Well, what if, the suggestion goes, they, in their distorted thinking about spirituality, already viewed themselves as being like angels in heaven, whom the Lord explained neither marry nor are given in marriage? Was this why they refused to have sexual relations with their husbands? The same kind of wrong idea about spirituality may also have justified the husbands with respect to their actions in frequenting prostitutes. It's true that there were prevailing notions about material things being evil and also inferior and of no consequence. People with these views then might either distance themselves as much as possible from all physical matter or else they might go to the other extreme by reasoning that anything to do with their body since it was only a material thing, could have no impact on their spiritual state. Was this how they justified their excursions to the prostitutes? Maybe. However it was, the Apostle Paul's comeback on their provocative inference that the body might as well be used for immorality was totally uncompromising, as we would expect, since we are from a different culture to their pagan one. This is what Paul says from verse 16. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. For Paul, throughout his writings in the New Testament, Christianity is all about having and enjoying a relationship with the Lord, one that is so intimate. Everyone who, through personal faith in the Lord Jesus, is now in Christ, can reflect with wonder on the words of the adoring hymn writer, Lord Jesus, Are we one with thee? Yes, by eternal union one. How then could any believer justify uniting bodily with a prostitute? Which brings us to verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Its second sentence, coming after the appeal to flee immorality, has given rise to different and opposing interpretations. The sentence says... Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. In the English version, which that quotation comes from, the second word, that is the word other, isn't original. It's been inserted as a possible way of making sense of this difficult verse. By doing so, this interpretation places sexual sins in a special category all by themselves. However, some object and ask, but are smoking and drug-taking not also sins which are against one's own body? Surely these habits do abuse our bodies. This has led other interpreters to take a different view and to consider the reference to body there to be instead the mystical body of Christ 
that is the church composed of all born-again believers in this church age. But that seems a sudden and unjustifiable leap when the context is very clearly about the use of our actual human bodies. There is at least one other option. Once again, it involves the possible practice of Paul repeating certain Corinthian slogans back to them before decisively showing how utterly false they were. This way of looking at verse 18 sees or or hears Paul echoing back their assertion, every sin that a man commits is outside the body, before he replies to them, but the immoral man sins against his own body. In other words, Paul says to them, Immorality is a sin against our own body. This clear statement contradicted their own wrong thinking. And having established that immorality meant they were in fact sinning against their own bodies, Paul next proceeds to demonstrate the serious nature of the sinful misuse of their bodies when he says in verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. This is the ultimate argument in terms of condemning a Christian believer's misuse of his or her body. Paul has argued elsewhere, in Romans 8 and verse 9 in fact, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. In other words, if we belong to Christ, then we have God's Spirit living in our mortal body. Individually, each believer's body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The believer in the Lord Jesus Christ cannot say, It's my body and I'll do as I please with it. By repenting of our sins and receiving Christ as our personal Saviour by faith, believing in his name, we became redeemed or purchased by the Lord. A great price was paid for this redemption, namely the blood of God's incarnate Son on the cross. This consideration is a supreme motivation for us to glorify God in our body. The Apostle Paul's personal ambition was to magnify or exalt Christ by life and by death. Our ambition should be no less than this, making us even wary of disorderly eating.
As is my usual custom, I remind you that there's a booklet available to accompany this series, and if you'd like a copy, then write in, making sure to let us have your postal address. Ask for the title, Nothing But Christ Crucified. If you like, you can also go onto our mailing list and receive new books automatically as they come out. Uh, if you'd like to do that, then just let us know. You can order by email or by post, and here's our contact address, so please make a note. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go on your computer to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which have been sorted into uh, categories, so you can find exactly what you're looking for. Now, it's been a privilege to enjoy your company today. Uh, sadly, our time has gone, but I hope if you're following the series, you're finding help and enjoyment. Next week, we have another talk in this series where Brian will focus on the Apostle Paul's allusions to married life. Don't miss it. Until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our technician David, our singers and me, John. Goodbye and may God richly bless you. Take